I'm Gary, and this is episode 139 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be looking at a new way of helping people with no off-street parking to charge their car. This season of the podcast is sponsored by ZapMap. Before we start, I wanted to say that it looks like the season-ending roundtable might not take place on the schedule I originally wanted. As with many things nowadays, getting people's diaries organised and linked so I can get people onto the show has proven a little more difficult than I originally wanted. There might be a gap of a week or two between this episode and the next, but we'll see. More to come as I know about it. Fingers crossed. Keep an eye on the socials for more. Our main topic of conversation today is about home charging, but without a charger. EVs are fantastic if you can charge from home. Anyone with a driveway or somewhere they can install a home charger or even a three-pin plug can take advantage of cheaper overnight electricity and get their car fully charged, more or less depending on the battery size and charger speed, while they sleep. But, as podcast co-founder Simon will tell you, not having a home charger isn't as big a barrier as you might think to waking up with a full car. With destination chargers, work chargers and an ever-increasing number of rapid chargers out in the wild, there's never been a better time for people with the ability to charge at home to actually get some electricity into their car. But maybe there's also an opportunity here for an alternate way of using existing resources to charge your car if you don't have your own home charger. Wouldn't it be great if you could use somebody else's home charging setup? Maybe your neighbour has an EV and got a Zappy or something similar installed. Instead of traipsing around looking for public chargers, wouldn't it be great if you could use his or her unit? There are apps out there that will identify people willing to share their chargers. Uh, Podcast sponsor ZapMap has one in its Zap Home functionality. But there might be a different solution. Today I'm talking with Joel Teague, the founder of CoCharger. CoCharger is a... Well, well, let's let Joel tell you about that himself. And um, just as an FYI, this interview took place at a recent trade show. So there's quite a bit of background noise, but I don't think you'll have trouble hearing or understanding Joel. So, Joel, co-charger. Well, that was my origin story. Yeah, so I was convinced by a neighbour in the little drinking village in Devon that I lived in um, to buy an EV because he gave me a ride in his and it was all very lovely. And it arrived with a note on the uh, dashboard saying your home charger will be another six weeks, which gave me a problem because this was seven years ago. Uh, the nearest public charger was six miles away and had been broken for a year, um, as things were then. And the solution was I went back to the neighbour who lived about a mile away, which is basically next door in Devon, and said, right, you got me in this trouble. Here's what we're going to do. On my way home from work, on a Tuesday night, I will stop in and I will plug into your charge point and stick a £5 note through your door. And then walk home, and then on Wednesday morning I'll walk to yours and I'll unplug it and I'll drive to work. That was great. It worked. A mile isn't actually as far as people think. It was like eight minutes. Um, six weeks later, a little bit fractious because he'd forget or I'd forget or I'd turn up with an 80% battery and he'd, I'd be thinking a five is a lot or I turn up with a five percent battery and he'd be thinking a five is not enough and it was a, a pretty much a matter of you know what there should be an app for that yeah um, so it's pretty much that necessity because it got me realizing 
What if yes. I lived in a flat or a terrace or if I wasn't prepared to put a charger on my rented house's wall or all these other reasons why I couldn't do this? And looking into it, you know, it's like 10, 15 million people are in that position. So when EVs go mainstream, does this mean that those people are going to hang back and keep polluting for five, ten years longer than everybody else? So hence it becoming an idea which became a business which is now a big thing. Yes. Let's go through the actual logistics of this. If I'm charging my car five nights per week, I can't let my neighbour use it. But if I'm not here during the day, they can use it, but they might be at work also, so it's no use to them. So what, what's the logistics to make it work? Okay, so what makes it work is that you're really unusual. Most people are charging about every 10 days now, which means you, your 1,000 quid expenditure on your box on the wall is unused for all but about five, seven hours a week on average, which means for six nights a week you're not using it, plus some daytimes and all the rest of it. So generally the pattern is that somebody in your neighbourhood who can't have a home charger, really wants an EV, they set up a charge account and they go, oh, there's a host nearby and they drop you a line and they can request a booking and it, either a one-off or they can book every, say, Tuesday night for a year. And um, it just means that you get a reminder to not park next to your charge point. Uh, they get a reminder to not go looking for a parking space as they normally do. Uh, and they come and park up, plug in, start the session on the app, walk home to bed next morning, come and pick it up. The app will work out how long it would have taken to charge 100%. Uh, you can stop it before then if you want, but almost all our sessions go to 100% and then you drive off. For it to work effectively, you need someone who doesn't charge overnight and has enough room to park two cars where the second car can park and still access the charger, correct? Correct, which is why it's just as well we only need about 4% of private charge points to be shared for this to actually look after pretty much everybody. Yeah. Um, we had uh, there's a company called Dodona Analytics who did a really good study into this and modelled it on their AI system. Uh, we thought it was about eight or nine percent, but apparently four percent, one in twenty-five, would leave enough a small enough gap for public charging to fill the gap with the destination and route charging. So there are lots of good reasons why somebody might not want to be a host, might not want to share their charge point. They might live somewhere where it's just not needed. It might be somewhere. Yes. <laughs> they just don't trust their neighbours, I don't know. Quite often it's because you haven't got anywhere to move your car to. Um, and that's fine, because there are plenty of people, you know, we've gone from zero to the third biggest network in the country in 20 months. Yeah, seven new points a day on average and accelerating. So we don't need it to work for everybody, we need it to work for enough people on the hosting side so that it can work for millions of people on the charge side. So that's, that's the reason why it's fine if people don't want to, because enough people do. Let's talk payment. Assume I become a host. I've got the Octopus Go four-hour window, but somebody might want to charge longer than that and cut into the peak rate. How, how's that dealt with? Okay, so generally the principle is that the host's in control, but they are also the owner of that financial model. So the pricing very importantly is that the chargee pays for the time that the charge point was running they're renting a charge point more than they're buying electricity because that's the expensive bit you know a thousand quid versus a fiver you're renting the charge point they don't pay to park they should be able to book and leave the car for the convenient period of time but they're paying to solve the problem they've got which is a charging problem not a parking problem but that means that the host needs to work out their hourly rate based on their personal circumstances and it Generally, 
it should be down to the host to price it to, to bring that into into account. So if you've got a uh, yeah, Octopus Go, it's easy for you because it's the, it's community charging. It's the same chargee usually week in week out. You can arrange with them to schedule the charge if that's going to work. There's all sorts of ways you can get around it. Version two will give the host more tools to be able to do that in an automated way. And we're working with some really clever companies like EV Energy, who uh, have a smart charging app that will talk to your charge point and the car and the weather forecast and things like this and work out the greenest or the cheapest or a bit of both. We're doing all that. For now, we keep it as simple as possible. It's just right, set an hourly rate where you know you're gonna make enough money to be comfortable. They're gonna be paying a, an amount that is fair and affordable and there's so much overlap of that so far no one's got a problem with it so there can almost be a negotiation there yeah and we see that a lot because generally at the moment you know we're only at what two two point two percent of the uk car fleet is bev most hosts have only got one charging if they have any at all we're waiting for that build-up um it's going to be years before someone really has to worry about having half a dozen charges and juggling you know, what's the right price and the timing, all that sort of thing, that's in the distance. For now, we're just trying to make it as simple as possible so that we can get as many as people as possible to stop burning fuel, basically. If you look at apps like ZapMap, which has Zap Home, it seems very, very similar. Seems it, yeah. It, it's really important, actually. And we, we, you know, we work closely with the government and so on, and I, my attitude is promote charge point sharing. There's lots of different flavors. Um, and actually, they, they work rather nicely together. So what is surprising is we knew it was a different use case. Community charging, we knew would be a very different structure, not just in terms of the tech, but the, the, the process, the monetization. Totally different when it's regular with a neighbor than it is if it's a one-off with someone from out of town, which is more what, you know, your zap home, book my charge. These are great apps, and they're going to be really important. But that model doesn't work for what we're doing, which is why we specialised in one and, and really the other is left to the people who specialise in that. And I think it comes down to the same reason that if you were going to design, if you made a home charge point and you wanted to do a super fast charger for a motorway service station, how many components would you carry over? Almost none. Ask Pop Point, they do both. Two different companies. So. And it's the same. We looked into it. We were offered the code for an app that did the destination charge point sharing. And we went through and analyzed it. I think it was 153, something like that, function points. I think we would have kept six. So in the end, it's like, you know what? And it's not just the app. It's the whole monetization. So community charging is great for the host because that person's back every week. So over a year, depending on your tariff and your pricing, you might make 200 pounds out of that person that year. And they're laughing because they've got reliable, uh, dependable, convenient, affordable charging, so everybody wins. So what's your business model? How are you making money out of this? We keep it very lean and simple. We only make money when someone charges a car. And we think that's really important because we want to be a useful tool in everybody's box. Yeah. So basically at the end of each charge point session, yeah. the app works out, okay, what's the fair amount to be, uh, to be paid? And it takes the payment from the pre-registered card from the chargee, takes 12% off for us, 10% plus VAT, um, and the rest of it then gets paid over to the host. Um, and we want to keep it like that. There may be subscriptions for the business versions and things like that in the future, but we want to keep it so that it's free and it's immediate and simple and cheap. You know, this is a facilitation app. 
it just enables two neighbors yes. to do community charging and we want to make it very very cheap to do that it just takes away all the hassle makes it all possible doesn't charge too much and we want to keep it like that because the, the vision of the company is all about sustainability it's not about making money so that's why it's driven by keep it as narrow as possible so that we just remove friction just make it easier let's talk strategy then joel short term mid-term long term where are you going okay long term the world uh the vision is to accelerate sustainability globally that's what we're after uh, medium term we're just coming into that now where um having done this sort of houdini thing really where we've gone from nothing to being this quite big network in not much time just with clever marketing and pr and goodwill and by being good people we're trustworthy this is important that, that period has led us to the point now where we have really exciting partners that are approaching us and saying we want your tool in our toolbox so people selling evs obviously it helps them to sell more evs if they can talk to people who live in flats and terraces otherwise we, they've halved their market likewise people who do public charging as far as they're concerned, people like GridServe, they love us because we create their customers. Uh, energy companies, there's a poetry in it for them. If you're a renewable energy company, when one of your customers becomes a host, what they're doing is taking money that their neighbors are currently channeling into fossil fuel companies and diverting it into renewables, which is beautiful. So that's what we're doing. We're going out there, we've got APIs. If anybody wants to use our data, there are free APIs where you can use our dots on a map. You can, you know, it's all done. We've got to be careful with, with privacy, obviously, but we just want to make this as valuable as possible to as many partners as possible. And that's the way it's going to grow very quickly and exciting stuff happening. Um, looks like the international thing is starting rather earlier than expected. We were approached by a government this week and they want things now. So all very exciting, um, and the whole thing is short. You know, this is all happening in a few years. It's not going to be a decades-long thing. Just to cut in here myself, data aggregation is a big part of the MOVE conference where I had this chat with Joel. Many, many companies gathered together all the data that ChargePoint companies, vehicle manufacturers, sat-nav companies, etc., anonymise and aggregate. And they sell that data mainly to advertisers so they can target you for your products. It's actually quite frightening. Anyway, back to the questions I was asking Joel. Now you've talked about data, and there are quite a few companies here that deal with aggregating data and selling it on. So what are co-charges plans? We want to be, we're aware that on the one hand, we've got very valuable data. We now are the only people who have data on community charging behavior, which is all about behavior. Yeah. But we also have a blanket policy of, we don't sell your data to anyone ever. Yeah. So we want to provide useful intelligence into data modeling that helps sustainability, but it's got to be anonymized and aggregated. So we're drawing the line out. This is not about personal data. This is about aggregated intelligence that helps with sustainability. From an app point of view, are you looking at additional functionality to what you've already got? We're very happy with version one. Um, considering when we spec this out, yes. the term community charging didn't exist. Nobody knew what the behavior would be. We had to model the hell out of it and did. It's worked really well. People like the app. But version two is gonna be out early next year. And that's got much more support for fleet management. Fleet is huge for us. Imagine you've got return to home vans. 
most of those are going to households without charges and we can't have charges, we're going to help them. We need to help the fleet manager. We need to do different monetization so that the payments can flow in a way that works for fleets. We're doing more to support small businesses with car parks. When you've got that row of terraces and at the end it's a private dentist with a car park, we're already helping them to monetize their car park charge points, their staff charge points. We want to help them to monetize three or four of them so that they can help more people in that row of terraces. Um, and likewise, communal parking. So if you've got uh, if you've got a block of flats with communal parking, at the moment the trend is to spend tens of thousands of pounds putting rows of commercial charges in. We're providing more support to let people just put in a domestic charger and share it. And then when that one gets too busy, put in another domestic charger and share it. It's a much quicker, simpler way of doing things. So all these things being built in and internationalization because it's going to be in a lot of countries fairly soon. Yeah, languages are the tough bit. It's going to be trading in euros very soon because it's going to need to. Um, thanks to that meeting with a certain government earlier this week. Um, but yeah, it's very exciting and, and a lot more. And also advanced hosting, EV Energy. We're partnering with them so that if a host wants to actually connect to their charge point to get more data to help manage it, they can do that. There's all these lovely things on the, on the, uh, the roadmap. My thanks to Joel for his time. Looks like there are a specific set of criteria that would make it a good choice for you to host a co-charger. You've not got to be charging every night and you've got to have room for a second car at your charger. This will cut some people out of the running. But if that's not you, if you have your own home charger and you want to see whether being a co-charger host is for you, search for co-charger in the App Store or Google Play. It has an orange logo with a small O inside a large C. You can't miss it. Set yourself up as a host and see what happens. Alternatively, if you have an EV and are not one of those who has a home charger, download the same app and register as a user. The map will show you who's nearby with a charger you can use, what their rates are and what the availability is. And the link is in the show notes to get you to the CoCharger website. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. Now, back in the dark old days, when I made my living flying across Europe and leaving an unimaginably large carbon footprint, I spent many weeks in Berlin. Now, this carbon footprint was increased dramatically by the fact that there were only three airlines into Berlin at that time, and you had to fly at a ridiculously low, incredibly inefficient altitude as you went over communist East Germany. At that time, just as the war was coming down, I would fly into and out of Berlin's Tegel Airport. Uh, this airport was put in place to supersede Tempelhof Airport, which was the site of the Berlin airlift, and had outgrown its current city centre location. Now, in a very circular manner, Tempelhof is starting to get green credentials now by hosting the Berlin round of the Electric Formula E Championship, and now, it seems, Tegel is going green too. Last year, after Tegel Airport had been replaced by a new international airport at another location, workers started clearing the land for a new project, a neighbourhood built from scratch with the climate in mind. Some parts of the airport will be reused with old terminals turned into commercial space for research and offices for startups. But a more than 100 acre area near where the runway used to sit will be completely reimagined with 5,000 new apartment homes built into a walkable, bikeable, carbon neutral neighbourhood with parks, schools and stores. The plans call for wide bike lanes and green spaces, and at the edge of the neighbourhood there will be access to micro-mobility and existing public transport. The neighbourhood will allow limited access to cars. People who are disabled, for example, will be able to drive up to their buildings, but will otherwise be car-free. 
with buildings made from locally sourced wood and an 80% reduction in CO2 emissions for the construction, this looks like a fantastic project. And I'm glad that a site with such a huge historic carbon footprint is now starting to give some of that back. The EV Musings podcast is sponsored by ZapMap. ZapMap is the go-to app for EV drives in the UK. Use it to search for available chargers, plan electric journeys, pay for charging on participating networks and share updates with other EV drivers. ZapMap is free to download and use with subscription plans for enhanced features such as using ZapMap in car, on CarPlay or Android Auto. And that's the show for today. hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at MusingsEV. If you want to support the podcast and newsletter, please consider contributing to become an EV Musings patron. The link's in the show notes. Don't want to sign up for something on a monthly basis? If you enjoy this episode, why not buy me a coffee? Go to coffee.com slash evmusings and you can do just that. ko-fi.com slash evmusings. Takes Apple Pay too. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Got Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Please check it out. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. If you've reached this part of the podcast and are still listening, thank you. Why not let me know you've got to this point by tweeting me at Musing TV with the words money from your home charger, hashtag if you know you know, nothing else. Thanks as always to my co-founder Sam, and you know he's getting into long distance running, trying to emulate the late great Roger Bannister and run a mile as quick as he can. But not for him the heady heights of the four minute mile, and he's going for something a little more sedate. The mile isn't actually as far as people think, it's like eight minutes. Many thanks for listening. Bye-bye now.